Now, here's Matt Mosley. Now time for Chillin' with Quillin' on ESPN Central Texas. Oh, wow. We have a lot to uh, get ready for here. And uh, Curtis Quillen, I mean, has his own beginning. I honestly think he should have his own song that he comes out to. Curtis, you're a, you're a guy, kind of an old soul, but a young man, still hanging on to your 20s, as I last recall. What, like if we came up with a, uh, a Quillen song to bring you out to, would you go with a country, like, uh, I don't know if you're like a Parker McCollum, young country, old country, or would you go with something like alternative what would be what would be your choice, or maybe even you know some uh, some old school rap or something? You know, uh, I am a country guy, more of a Cody Johnson guy. But when it comes to like a walk up song, kind of like you're talking about, I'm all about the energy. Give me some Brass Monkey, man. I don't know why, but if that if I was playing baseball, that would be my walk up song. That would, I, I'm I'm keeping everyone on their toes with that answer. I'm very aware. Uh, yeah, that would be that would be the choice. Well, that's I mean, I you're you're just sort of in my wheelhouse. I mean, you're not you may be keeping other people on their toes, but that's what I grew up with and that I was in junior high, of course you weren't even born, but uh you <laughs> are talking about Beastie Boys and uh that was it for me, man. That was uh our world changed the day Lynn Bias died. I was in about 8th 7th or 8th grade and uh, you know, we thought maybe we didn't know at that point. Like, was he going to be Michael Jordan? Or was it going to be Michael Jordan going to be Michael Jordan? And as a kid, I was already 11 years old at 1984. That's the Olympic team falling in love with Jordan. Anyway, there was a lot going on back then. But Beastie Boys is a uh, is always a tremendous choice. All right, Curtis. Hey, I, I, I got to say, earlier today, I take I subscribe to the Waco trib and i you know i bet you do too and uh but boy you know a lot of this stuff because you cover it but i was looking through the our local teams kind of seeing how everybody was doing in the playoff pairings and of course the La-, la vega women just kind of they like to go out and just crush everybody but i was taken back at how some other teams had been doing and um whether it be conley um I mean, I, I was looking at some of the, I, you know, I was looking at Marlin earlier. I was looking at Mejia being involved in some things. And I, and I was even looking at the Class 2A district. Well, that was a tiebreaker. That was a, a couple of weeks. That was a while back. But uh, I love that score. Crawford 27, Bosqueville 24. A defensive struggle, Curtis. Like, which of these local teams have caught your eye the most as we sprint toward as we sprint toward where San Antonio is that where we're going now? Yeah, it's the Alamo Dome and the answer is the obvious one to me. It's the La Vega girls, right? Like when you are that dominant, I'm gonna steal a line from uh my good pal and uh our our former comrade here in here in Central Texas, Micah Fleet, the former uh, sports director over at Channel twenty five. Do you know how hard it is to not be bad? You know how hard it is to be that dominant. Winning by 103 in the second round of the playoffs, beating a team that won a playoff game 
by a hundred points. That's insane. It is insanity. That team is dominant uh, and looks poised to get back to San Antonio. Of course, until it doesn't, Harden Jefferson runs the region. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens this weekend in that regional tournament. But the fact that two Central Texas teams have a shot at the Alamo Dome uh, in what I think is the best region in uh, Texas high school basketball, pound for pound. Um, obviously, you could throw six a, um, you know, the six a boys region two into that mix, uh, and there's some other ones that you can put in that conversation. But you know, four a region three has to be in there, and uh, this is this is an interesting draw this weekend for the La Vega girls. But that's the one that's got my eye, and it's the way that they're doing it. Okay, I I'm going to take a long look at that. Now, on the boys' side, um, there's a player Baylor's going after that you need to see in person, Curtis, named Trey Johnson. They want him for 2024. He's unbelievable for Lake Highlands. And and as they began their march to state last night and played somebody, uh, maybe it was Bowie or somebody, and just crushed them. I mean, at one point I looked, it was 47 to 20. But now on the boys' side of things, Conley versus... Houston Leland, college prep. Uh, that thing's set for tomorrow at 6.30. And then La Vega and Houston Yates. And I got to say, I used to I, I used to shudder when I heard the name Houston Yates. I mean, back uh-huh. in the day when Santana Dotson and those kind of people were coming out of Houston Yates, you were like, whoa, I don't want to play Yates. But I'm seeing some results, or at least on the girls' side, Yates got destroyed. Um, what, what about the boys' side? What is, uh, what is jumping out at you there? This is still a program that has a lot of pride and tradition. I mean, Yates was in the same classification as Floresville when I was in high school, and I remember walking into the locker room uh, the week after spring break my freshman year looking at my coach, uh, Kevin Beatrick, now in Stockdale, and saying, Coach, who won state in our class? I was at Disney World all, all break, and he just freaking Yates again, man. And uh, I think they won three in a row at one point. And so that doesn't go away. Those athletes don't, they're still there. Um, and so, you know, on the boys' side, this program is probably, I would say, much better than it, than it probably shows on the girls' side. Um, and that's not a knock on the girls' team. They just ran into a buzzsaw at the moment uh, in La Vega. And so that Yates team is going to be an interesting draw for La Vega. La Vega had everything it wanted and then some from Lampasas last night, but the Lampasas community showed up in Belton for that one. I was there last night. And then you look at, you know, this is old hat for the Pirates. And so can you get past that, get back to the third round? Uh, this is a really young team. If I my memory serves me correctly, I saw the roster. I think it's one or two seniors on the on the roster. And if uh, Coach Cartwright's listening, he's probably about to text me and tell me I'm wrong. But uh, it's it's a young team, and so this is gonna this is gonna be an interesting meet matchup uh, in the second round of the playoffs on the boys' side. All right, and uh, of course we have our that area round with um, let's see Marlin on Friday. What's it? Eight p.m. start. My gosh, um, and oh, then uh, basketball. 
Yeah, yeah, I know. It's a little it's a little uh, late for high school. Uh Crawford versus Frankston. That's an early start. That's good for TV. I always get you have you in mind. That'll be in Corsicana. You can go to that game. You can head over there. That's Friday at Corsicana and and see that. So I, I love this. I love high school basketball. You played high school basketball. I did. You've officiated high school basketball. It's a fun time of year. Now the, the state title, the state championship should be in Austin. That's an embarrassment to our state that they have let that not happen. And I know it's because of the festival in Austin and all that mess. But I'm it that's where it need you know, for generations, that's where it's been. And that's one of the greatest events in all of sports is going to Austin for the state basketball tournament. But for whatever reason, I, however many years ago, Curtis, how did that happen? Was that six or seven years ago this stopped happening? And, and, and I, I just don't get it, but whatever. We're, I mean, I know you love San Antonio, so you're probably taking this personally. I'm about to make you feel real old. My freshman year of college, spring of 2014, my brother and I went and watched uh, the uh, state championship game. I believe it was Plano West winning it at the buzzer in 2014. And that was at the Alamo Dome while I was home for spring break from Oklahoma State. And so uh, this is going to be the 10th state tournament inside oh. the Alamo Dome at least. Wow. I think that's the year that they moved it. But, I mean, these te- you've got teams coming from all over the state. They have to be able to get hotel rooms, and they can't be paying – you can't be asking public schools, public high schools, to yeah. be shelling out 600 bucks a night uh, to stay at what you could normally get for 100 to 150 a night, like a Fairfield Inn type thing, um, just for, for, for a basketball tournament. And, yes, it's the state tournament, and I get that. But that's why they moved it is there was no accessibility for the teams that were traveling in to play in these games. Uh, from, you know, Nazareth has been to how many consecutive state tournaments on the girls' side, won how many of them on the girls' side in 1A, and that is not exactly close to Austin or San Antonio. They're not going home between the semis and the state title game. And then you've got these Houston schools and these Dallas schools that are always there, uh, and deservedly so. They've earned it. they got to have a place to stay if they make it to the title game. And All so right. I think that's a lot of the reason. Yeah, I think you're right, but I just it was one of the greatest events. It's funny you say Nazareth because I saw him in the 1A state title game when I was a kid. My dad took me down there and they they played against I think it was Ranger and then 3A would have been Dimmit. And when I it, some later I went to it. It wasn't then. Oh, yeah, later years I went to see Marcus Smart when he was playing at Flower Mount Marcus. That was unbelievable. And then Baby, the guy they called Baby Shaq, Kendrick Perkins, was playing at Beaumont Ozan or Ozan or whatever. Ozan, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was uh, – those were awesome days. But I, I need to give us a chance. I need to give San Antonio a chance. And, of course, the problem is the Big 12 tournament, which I'll be attending, is happening during the – the state title. I got to figure all that out. Um, and of course, if if Baylor stays in the Big Twelve tournament, the coaches won't be able to go. But the Baylor coaches love going to that that uh, state tournament there in San Antonio. So, what are you going to do, Curtis? Have you worked that out yet? Are you going to 
Are you going to get to go to the Big 12 tournament, or are you going to go to the uh, state tournament? This is all in progress at the moment, so okay. we're, we're still right. working everything out down here. All right. Well, I got my uh, – I finally worked out my block of rooms, and I can help you out with that if you need it for in Kansas City, if you decide to go to Kansas City. Uh, so, anyway, just keep me, in, keep me in mind for that. Okay, um, how, how worried are you – how worried should, should Baylor fans be – after that Kansas two-step. I mean, look like a Final Four national championship contender in the first half versus Kansas and then fell apart in the second half. K-State, I wouldn't say, I, I think the first half, they, they certainly fought back and had a lead at half and then had another second-half meltdown. What is going on, in your opinion, with this Baylor men's basketball team? It's still the same team it was a month ago. And some nights it's going to look like a national championship contender, and some nights it's going to look like first-round cannon fodder. Uh, it's young. The defense is inconsistent. Um, you know, I was talking to someone in the game, and I said, is this Scott's worst defense at Baylor since 08 when he made the tournament the first time in Waco? And they said, I would, I would venture to say that. Um, and – that's fine. This defense has been improving. Uh, when you watch it play, the metrics have always have remained kind of consistent on the Baylor defense. Um, in fact, I actually think when you look during that 10 out of 11, when they won 10 out of 11, uh, they're heading to Kansas. Uh, I think if you looked at Torvik, it showed that their defensive rating went down during that stretch. And so, there's a, I don't know what to make of it. I'm not hitting the panic button if I'm a Baylor fan. You're still in the hunt for a Big 12 title. Yeah, it's probably substantially harder at this point, but um, it's it's doable, especially given the fact that you've got two out of three to close the season in your own barn, and one of those is against Iowa State. And so uh, I'm not real sure what to uh, what to make of it moving forward. That Next Monday in uh, Oklahoma State, they're in Stillwater, might mean more than we thought it would at the beginning of the year uh, in the conference title race. I'm not pushing the panic button, though, after the Kansas two-step. Those are both two really difficult venues to play in. You can almost always ignore the result inside Allen Fieldhouse because it is uh, one of the five best home court advantages for the Jayhawks in the sport. What I was more concerned about was the way that it lost at Kansas State and letting the Wildcats live at the rim. You watch Keontae Johnson make just this kind of walk to the rim on a backdoor cut uh, to get to the hoop in the second half and get a nice little reverse lay it off the glass. But um, that's more concerning to me than the fact that they lost both of those games. Yeah, I mean, I would think about maybe when you're seeing those kind of defensive backgrounds, getting Del Bonner or somebody like that back into the rotation, a guy who was honestly a really good defender for them and one of their best on-ball defenders who's completely fallen out of the rotation. I mean, it's it's a little bit unlike Scott to just eliminate guys from his rotation. And, and Ojan went on, and we know the reason, because EJ's back and Bonner have completely gone out of the rotation. Now the women's side of things. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't know where this is going right now. And they've got four losses. Um, I think uh, 
I think Nikki has shown. I mean, they had some good stretches this season. I, I do think there's still some time that maybe they could get something. I guess the positive is that uh, little jo- uh, that our our friend Bugs is little Paige Bugs. I mean, she was great in that game the other night, and I thought Fauntleroy played well. It was some of the veterans that either missed free throws and made you know big time mistakes in that game. But I I think you gotta. Right now, I mean, you know, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and all these, you look at all these new hires, and I think we got to give this thing time. But, man, all those things have paid off almost immediately. And right now, the, the, the team's going in the wrong direction. Um, where, where are you with this team right now? And do you, do you think it's like one of those things, well, just kind of hopefully they bounce back next season? Or do you hold out any hope that they could get something rolling here down the stretch? I don't know. I really, I, I don't know where I stand on this. I don't know where this is going. I keep looking at the way this team plays, and I keep looking at the ways you see these teams succeed in women's college basketball. And one of the keys for most of those teams is a veteran post, a really good veteran post who can give you headaches inside and who can kick the rock when she needs to and who can defend. And they don't have that. And it, I'm not in that, in those coaches meetings. I don't know what happened uh, to get to this point, but to me, I'm very confused on why that didn't come from the portal for the bears. I don't think this is something that if Kentucky had signed off on Adriana Edwards transfer, that this would be all be resolved um, because I don't think that she brings that specific skill set that I'm talking about that you see with a lot of these successful women's college basketball teams. And this team is young. Um, you know, Dariana Little Page Bugs, freshman, Bella Fauntleroy, freshman, like, they're going to be good down the stretch uh, of their careers if they can if they stay in Waco now with the the way college athletics works uh, with roster transformation from one season to the next. But I was looking at it today, Matt. The last time Baylor did not host a first and second round weekend in Waco, it made the Final Four. Now it did it as a four seed, which is significantly different than doing it where it's projected to fall now as an eight seed at Stanford in the first round. Um, but it's still doable because of where the sport is. It's just a much tougher road to hoe. Um, it's out of contention for the Big 12 title race. A friend of mine in the sport pointed out the records and said if Baylor wins out and you know Oklahoma and Texas, their only combined loss is to the other one uh, the rest of the way, Baylor loses the Big 12 title on tiebreakers. And so the streak's over. The question is now, what can you do to salvage your NCAA tournament resume? Because I do think, you know, there are still enough wins to get you into the NCAA tournament. It's not going to be as a good seed. You're going to be in someone else's barn playing them in potentially a crucial second round game. Because I couldn't even tell you, Matt, the last time Baylor failed to make the Sweet 16 in consecutive seasons. Well, Nikki's got to stop listening to whoever's in her head from a negative standpoint and kind of remember that the administration hired her 
They're not trying to run her off in any way. So whoever, and, and, and who knows, maybe it's the people in her mind that are Kim holdovers that fell yep. in love with the Kim Mulkey. I mean, I get all that. This was an impossible task. This was crazy. Oh, I mean, like, no, nobody was going to be able to follow Kim Mulkey and keep rolling. It was not going to happen. Now, they were able to hang in there last year because she had an Alyssa uh, and Queen Egbo, and they still had some incredible players. But nobody was going to be able just to keep this thing rolling. And so it's a, it's a, it's, it's a thankless task in some ways. But and you, you got to figure out how you want right, to handle it. No one was going to be able to keep this thing rolling. But the other thing is, and we should have seen this coming uh, two years ago, April of 2021, when Kim took the LSU job, the other schools in the Big 12 saw the opportunity in front of them and realized that the door was open to compete in the conference more than it had ever been open to compete in the conference before. And a lot of these schools capitalized on it. J.C. Hoyt, a young, energetic coach from Kansas City. She doesn't have the wins on the resume that you would think, but if you watch that Oklahoma State team this season, tell me she doesn't know what she's doing. Oh, she's great. Jenny she's Blanchett superb. coming from Creighton yeah. to Oklahoma, same thing. These teams in the Big 12 see the door, saw the door open two years ago and are now walking through it. Kim Lee, this is not Nikki Collins' fault. This is kind of, to me, the situation that was created when Kim Mulkey left Baylor for LSU and created a essentially a power vacuum in the conference. Yeah, I think you're I think you're on to something there. And I think the worst thing is if we stop talking about it. You know what I mean? Like I, I sometimes I'm like, well I don't really you know, they're out of it right now. But it's 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 been an incredible program. I don't want to stop talking yeah. about it. And so the it's worst thing that could happen days, I I always lead in my 6 o'clock sportscast with whichever team is playing that night, whether it's the men or the women, unless both are playing, and then it's just kind of dependent on what's at stake and what are they doing coming into the game. And, Matt, tonight I'm not leading with the Baylor women's team at 6 o'clock. Because, one, it's gotten to the point where they need a break from the cameras because you see the emotion after that loss to Iowa State. So we didn't get to talk to Nikki Collin or the Bears before they got on the bus to go to Fort Worth last night. So I don't have anything to report on that she said ahead of this game. But two, how many different times can you talk about a team losing four games in a row? Uh, I hear you. I mean, you're basically part of the Mosley show. So if you, I mean, she was on for like 27 minutes with me yesterday. So always feel free. To just you, you've got my permission to use anything she says to me. Okay, just keep that in mind. I got you. All right, Curtis. Uh, always fun to catch up with you. And no matter what day, you used to be Fridays. We chill. We were doing chilling with Quillen, but this time of year, I just kind of like to whatever day it is that I feel like we've got to interject some some Quillen into the show. Inject. Um, and today was one of those days. So good to have you. You made my tech. You made my day with that text to come on. I'm always happy to do it, Matt. <laughs> there he goes. There he goes. Thank you. Uh, and uh, there goes Curtis Quillen, sports director at Channel Six 
great friend of mine, great friend of the show and the station. It is ESPN Central Texas, 